Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? February 24th edition of the Fightful MMA Podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Follow me online at Showdown Joe. Follow the podcast at Fightful MMA. Make sure you sign up at FightfulMMA.com. Join today. Uh, it is a Friday. It is a gloomy one here uh, just outside of Toronto. But we are joined uh, from someone south of the border, managing editor for Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp. Sean, uh, I, t- to my understanding, you're probably not in a good mood today. I'm in a great mood today. I just, it's Friday. I know, but I just got a little sense as to what was happening with you online and just going through um, your, some of your stuff. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, follow him online at Sean Ross Sapp, uh, especially the stuff uh, with Cyborg. And it's just, it, it, it's just honest conversation. Yeah, and I don't know if this is her or if it's her representation because there were some words that were misspelled on her end that I don't think that her English-speaking representation would misspell. So I do think that this was an honest conversation with her, which is weird because I've had nothing but positive interactions with her in the past, but negative with her representation. And this was just a weird situation. Now, Joe, we, I I live in a country and without getting political where the head of our country is questioning the news that is put out. Like, Acting like everybody's out to get him. Now, whether my feelings on that, I'll I'll leave open to interpretation because I don't want to get political. But that's out there. And he's straight outright said, fake news, not talking to you. And we have the top 145-pound women's fighter in the world doing the same thing over somebody. It was in uh, response to Ian Kidd, a bloody elbow. And she called him fake news for reporting facts. That's reckless. And, you know, I mean, here, here's the thing. Let me, I'll just pull open the stuff. What happened was Chris Cyborg tested positive for a masking agent. For a masking agent. She did not disclose the substance when she got tested. Felt no need to. But when she got popped, then she was like, oh, wait, I was taking this. Maybe I should have mentioned that, but I was taking this. Can I have that retroactive TUE now? Okay. You gave it to me? Wow. Holy shit. Imagine that. And Ian Kidd was originally asked to write a book, I think, with Chris Cyborg. And it didn't work out for a number of reasons from from what I understand, but – She gets on Twitter and she says, if your website or staff members attack me or my team, I'm not granting you interviews. Okay. All right. Uh, That's weird. First off, I I was on here with Matt Riddle uh, this week. Joe, do you know how – he was the butt of how many jokes a few years ago? Of course, yeah, many. And now people can't get enough of him. Like, we have him on every single week. He's getting interviewed everywhere. MMA Fighting did a feature on him for his, his independent show the week of uh, the CM Punk fight. Like, I mean, he's, he's 
the 180 is just crazy. But you know, she has the right to not grant interviews. Sure. She has that right. She can do that. But when you point at somebody like Ian Kidd who did nothing but spew facts about the situation and then call somebody fake news, I oh, I hate I hate that term, especially when it's not applicable to the situation. That is not applicable to this situation. I, I find that incredibly strange. I find that incredibly weird. Uh, I, I think a lot of the things that her representation does are weird. But the fact that this was this was something that went through, yeah, I mean, I understand she's frustrated. And you got people like Mike Winklejohn who are saying, he wants her to stay clean for a year before he sees her fight. Yeah, I saw anyway. that. that. That's well, okay. That makes sense. I mean, it, it legit makes sense because if you're going to put one of your fighters versus someone uh, who obviously has that reputation, you know, let's see you be clean for a year. But uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, pins and needles are all going in there uh, all the time. But she gets caught with something. It's an issue. You don't want to put your fighter in a situation where, you know, the other fighter has that type of advantage, which is, skills are one thing. Uh, that strength and brutality is another. Her exact quote was, I will no longer be giving interviews to fake news sites with sites misspelled, which is what kind of makes me think it's her, who don't hold their staff accountable for nonsense opinion articles written as fact. Ian's stuff wasn't written as opinion. It was written as fact. It is fact. He got comments from USADA on the situation. And then she says, MMA media, if you have a writers on your website staff who are targeting me and my team with bad press, don't ask me for any interviews. And I said, with all due respect, you have a deal with intimate or Ent Imports, which is widely known as one of the most clickbait heavy sites, period. Like there are some websites that will kind of use some clickbait for Facebook ads and Twitter and it's part of the game. They use it for everything. Not only that, They've contracted several fighters like Chris Cyborg to run their articles on their social media to get them an increased profile. Hey, that's a part of the game. No big deal. But when you're criticizing a site for being fake news, like Bloody Elbow, which is one of the damn good ones, and you have a deal with something that is the perfect encapsulation of what I would consider and what many consider fake news, hot damn, that's weird. And uh, she said, you don't have to deal with anything, just like I don't have to give, a, give media interviews. This was another thing that made me think it was her because she didn't understand the point I was making. And I said, that makes no sense. I pointed out you were calling sites fake news, but you have a deal with this website. And she goes, you don't have to follow my page. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so when I read all that, I'm like, this is this is not – going anywhere this is not going in a straight line this is you bringing it back to the center and, and it's going to the left and you bringing it back into the center then she takes it to the right or, or whomever is, is taking care well, she, of her social media it's just odd well she doesn't speak i mean she does speak english but it's not her first language so if that is her completely understandable you know i mean i i don't expect somebody outside of you know wdb's kevin owens who speaks as he speaks better english than most native english speakers that's not always the case with her. That's not that's not really the case. I mean, she speaks some English. She speaks pretty good English, but to carry on that conversation with me back and forth, back and forth, I could see where that got lost in translation. If that's a representation, then they're just inept. Which I have said that they were in the past. Either way, uh, she still follows me on Twitter. So, <laughs> so it's good you you haven't been blocked. But with all this. That is going on right now. And she's, you know, her and or her camp and or those who are taking care of her social media, they're obviously upset uh, as to what happened with, quote unquote, the fake news or the fake MMA news sites. I mean, it's just a bloody elbow is fantastic. We all know that many sites out there are fantastic. Other ones, honestly, I mean, I I stopped looking at many, many sites back in the day because it was just that there was stuff that was being reported about me or or said about me. And I just roll my eyes. I'm like, all right, well, you're done. Uh, so I get it. I understand it. Uh, but with all this going down with Cyborg uh, and now everything being retroactive the way it is, what do you see is next for her? What 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 potentially, you know, without raising any red flags, hopefully not. Let's not be surprised if there are. But what's next for her? Probably an interim UFC featherweight championship fight. 
right? Unfortunately, uh, yeah. That is, I mean, if Durandamy gets the hand surgery, which she does need, guys. She really does need it. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I would say give her a tune-up fight, but, I mean, her entire career since Marlouz Kunin has been tune-up fights. True. The whole it's, thing, it's even crazy. her title fights. So, I mean, maybe get Megan Anderson in there. But they UFC hasn't contacted Megan Anderson from what I understand, about any type of contract when they got a division going. I don't know what that says about, about things, but. Well, the UFC is doing, you know, of course, it's, it's, it continues to be strange as to, as to what they're doing um, with that division. They, they just signed Cindy Dandois, a 145-pounder, and they're pitting her up in, in the 135-pound division at Bantamweight versus Alexis Davis. That, to me, is odd. It's strange. Yeah, I think both of these – I think they should be fighting at 145. 100%. Why not? Yeah. You know, I mean, they, Just, neither one of these two are potentially going to make it uh, up that echelon. I mean, Cindy, we haven't seen in the, in the octagon. You never know what could happen there. But, you know, you, you look at her track record and her age and stuff like that. You, you would figure, you know, she's not going to really have a big run at 135. Anything is possible. We know that. Um, Alexis has had her chance. Uh, she's she's fallen on hard times but still has the skills and black – also stand and bang. Uh, we've seen her fights with Sarah Kaufman, but this is a 145 pound fight. Yeah, and I figured when this division got instituted, I thought a lot of 135 pound women would just use this as an excuse to not cut weight. Because why not? I mean, if you're if you can avoid cutting that last 10 pounds under the guise of a featherweight fight, hell, I would do it. I mean, why not, man? Like. And these two, I mean, Dandois has fought at 145 before. There are, like, if you rip from that 135 division, you could make, uh, you could make some interesting fights. But I think a lot of these girls would. I thought that a lot of them would jump back and forth between 135, 145. I don't know. I don't know what the UFC's plans are. They don't have another 145 pound fight scheduled, but they have a champion. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean. Uh, the one that keeps coming up to mind, and I could be completely way off here, but Sarah McMahon, I think, would be fantastic at 145. Yeah. I think she'd have a great opportunity uh, to actually get a belt around her waist, considering everything that's happening in the division. Um, you know, she's not getting any younger, uh, and she's a fantastic fighter. She's on a good run. She's asking for a title shot against someone that's already defeated her. Uh, and you know, in her last fight, she defeated someone that she should have defeated. It wasn't like it was a massive test where she was pushed or it was someone with a high enough stock value or caliber to say, "Hey, you know what? You took her out." with a head and arm choke. That's fantastic. Um, I think she'd be fantastic at 145 pounds. I do too. And she might be a little happier to deal with in the media if, if she didn't have to cut that extra 10 pounds. I was listening the other day to a podcast that Fightful.com Shane Helms was on. And former WCW wrestler Disco Inferno mentioned how he bet on Gina just as a flyer because he trained her to be a professional wrestler. I didn't know that. Gina Mazzani did some pro wrestling training, and you're muted. You got me now? I do have you now. I muted myself because uh, <laughs> those who understand and watch this podcast on a regular basis, my best friend is this. Therefore, is it Tim Hortons? Nope. <laughs> I had this conversation this morning uh, with someone in California. We were just going back and forth while I was doing some work, and uh, they're a transplanted Canadian, and they're just talking about how they miss Tim Hortons so much. And you could scroll through social media and look at some, some of the various different posts from Canadians that travel abroad, and the one thing that they do when they land, as an example, in Toronto, is they go right to Tim Hortons because as soon as you come out of your gate, there's a Tim Hortons very, very close. There's a few Tim Hortons uh, in the arrivals gate, and as soon as you exit and enter the basically the general population of where the arrivals are there's a tim hortons right to the left so yes canadians uh adore tim hortons but i will say this uh and you know hopefully they're sponsoring us one day it's kind of funny uh as yeah. a canadian and i had this conversation with frank trigg yesterday as we were talking at, we kicked off the podcast um not that i'm not a tim hortons fan because i'm a coffee junkie that's a fact uh but i would i'd prefer mcdonald's coffee over tim hortons i just like the way that tastes a lot of people do. yeah it tastes much a lot better of people do like my mom, uh, we bought her the Keurig for Christmas, yep. and we were like, what kind of coffee do you drink? What kind of coffee do you drink? And, of course, Keurig has every kind. Like, if you brewed your own coffee in your house, there would be a Keurig brand out of that, like, next week. 
And she was just like, I like McDonald's coffee. So we bought her a bunch of boxes of the McDonald's coffee. A, a lot of people do. I wonder what that is. Now, I'm not a coffee drinker. I've only tried coffee a couple times, but that's because I'm too lazy to learn how to make it. I, like, I'm too lazy to learn what exactly goes into making coffee not suck when I drink it. So I stick to this free plug for Monster and my, <laughs> and my Onnit Shroom Tech, which you all can get over at Fifle.com by clicking that Onnit link. But one day I will figure it out because like my strength and conditioning coach, uh, my old one, I haven't done much of that lately, but uh, he's, he's a big coffee drinker, so uh, he's always tried to get me onto that stuff, but. Well, it's damn addicting. Uh, I mean, for anyone that knows me personally, I mean, I have, I have, my wife and I have very close friends, uh, obviously, in and around the same age, kids, and you know, we we do the the, the circuit of visits. They come over, we go over, uh, and people just know when Joe shows up. You better have coffee on hand. Nine times out of ten, people do have coffee on hand. Uh, but I've got close friends that, you know, I don't, I don't even have to get there. And, you know, the boys are there and the beers are out or, you know, they're, they're making Caesars. Or, actually, you guys don't have Caesars down there, which is kind of funny. You guys sort of call them Bloody Marys. But anyway, that's another debacle. I don't I drink alcohol station. either. Yeah, well, that's all good. But people know when I show up there, there's, there's going to be coffees uh, that will start brewing. They do before the meal, after the meal. It could be 11 o'clock at night. Do you want something? you want Bailey's in your coffee? I just, I love coffee. It's just, it's an addiction that I have. Um, but I drink a lot of water to obviously try and balance it out. You need to drink a lot of water uh, to balance it out. But uh, coffee's big. Uh, you know, Antonio Nogueira and I, or Big Nog and I, got into this massive conversation about Brazilian espresso and Italian espresso. Chael Sonnen and I got into a huge debate uh, over espresso. Not debate, it was just a conversation because uh, I guess his father-in-law is also of Italian descent. And their espresso is like my father-in-law's espresso. It is liquid crack. It is cocaine. It should not be ingested uh, anytime after 6 p.m. And these old guys, Sean, they will drink it at 9 I mean, when I go to my in-laws, I'm like, I don't need this after our meal. I don't. I don't. And they can drink it by 9.30. They're asleep. I come home with the wife and my son, and I'm sitting on the couch just doing this, flicking the channels on the TV going, it's 3 a.m. Like, I got to go to sleep. So, yeah, there's different potency in coffee. And then Frank Trigg tells me yesterday that they're, we're talking about wine tours and you know how, how I said I've gone on a wine tour once before. I think I was just far too young or immature to, to really appreciate it, uh, and I'd love to do it again. But he told me they actually have coffee-tasting tours. And I, 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 I said, yeah, forget I MMA. That. My MMA career is done. I don't, I don't need to be in mixed martial arts anymore. I want to get into the coffee-tasting business. <laughs> yeah, I'm up till like two or three in the morning anyway. Unfortunately for me, I figured out the UFC WWE news cycle where they don't break a lot of news early because they don't want it to be like six, seven in the morning on the West Coast when the news breaks. So I don't know. Generally, when I get up, it's kind of later in the morning anyway. So okay without coffee, but I got to have my monster. Hey, did you have a chance uh, when you were awake to see the Rory McDonald and Paul Daly uh, sort of standoff? Yeah, I did. <laughs> what was going through uh, their minds? Because I love Rory's this a, fight. Oh, I can't wait for this oh, one to go down. Rory hasn't fought in a long time, and Paul Daly hasn't fought in, like, what, a few weeks, so that's a long time for him, too. <laughs> but Rory, he's got to be itching to get back in the cage. I mean, he, he thought he was going to fight in the summer. He's fighting in the spring now, so that that tells you where he's at there. This is this is the type of fight Bellator needs to be putting at the top of their cards. Like I gave, I you know, I give them a lot of trash for all the pit bull main events. <laughs> I mean, it, every single week, and good on Liam McGeary because the the main event they're putting on tonight, Liam McGeary against somebody I have no I have no clue who he's facing at this point. He's had like four different opponents, but Liam McGeary st- uh, he he nutted up and he was like. I don't want another canceled main event. I don't want that to happen. So good on him. But Rory McDonald, Paul Daly is absolutely the kind of main event you want for a counter UFC product for something that has a big name and maybe a name that's level, but you know, will force Robbie or Rory McDonald to have an exciting fight because that that's been the thing on Rory for a lot of time uh, for a long time. Sometimes he doesn't have the most exciting fights. Sometimes he really does. When you got him in there with a Robbie Lawler, he sure as hell does. This guy is very much a Robbie Lawler in Paul Daly. He's not going to let you have a boring fight in this situation. Because, uh, I mean, the, the truth is, 
if Paul Daly goes out and has an exciting fight and Rory McDonald knocks him out, you'd think Scott Coker's going to like let him go. No. <laughs> no. He knows what's up. Um, oh, oh, of course. This comes across my timeline. This has to be a joke. Oh, boy. Ariel Hawani said, you got to be kidding me. Bellator kicking the tires about doing Pitbull versus Strauss for, which we knew about, for yep. the 145 title, and Pitbull versus Chandler for the 155 title on the same night. You're going to have a heart attack. They literally doubled down on the Pitbull. I don't which, understand. Which, this. based on their history, they shouldn't do. They should keep those two Pitbull brothers separate from each other because they need main events. Yeah, and they should keep them separate from each other because they're probably going to lose one of their main events because they get in fights backstage with people all the time. <laughs> That's so true. Oh. Oh. Hey, listen, I want to ask you something because uh, uh, the Kryloff news came across my, uh, my email this morning. Uh, so Kryloff did officially sign overseas. Uh, we also have Horiguchi officially signing with Ryzen. Um, I mean, I'm not saying there's a defection happening, but I'm not going to be surprised if this continues with various international fighters that perhaps the new UFC, or not, I, we keep saying new, they've owned the company now for some time. So the current UFC ownership, uh, it, it, I'm not saying that they aren't favoring the non-English fighters, but you get that sense that if these non-English can compete in their homeland and make just as much money as they can in the UFC, if not more because of sponsorship, they're going to defect. They're going to bolt. They're going to leave. Hey, good for them. It's their right to make as much money as they possibly can. And if they want to stay close to home by doing so, then awesome. Horiguchi is a big get for Ryzen. I mean, that's a big one. You're talking about a top five, probably, probably in my opinion, he might be the second best flyweight in the world. I mean, I mean, I've thought that since the first time that he fought Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. I think he's better than uh, Joseph Benavidez, if you want me to be completely honest, at this stage. You got, which the, the, the whole irony of this is, uh, Nikita Krylov's still going to be fighting on Fight Pass. Yeah. Because they run the EFN shows. So there he is on Fight Pass now. I hope nobody knows how to do a Von Flu choke in Europe, but I think they might. That's a good get for EFN, too. Because you can say, we have an honest-to-God UFC top 10 fighter at light heavyweight, and he'll probably take some heavyweight fights, too. Another thing I want to mention in this situation, did you see Vitaly Minikov almost get beaten by DJ Linderman yesterday? He showed up no. so out of shape. No way. Almost got beat by him, but then just slugged him and knocked him out. There you go. He's also claiming he's still the Bellator champion. <laughs> Which it would help if he actually, you know, fought in Bellator. Kind of, kind but, of. That, that's, you know, yeah. But he's another one, another good example. He can make near the same money fighting closer to home, and he's doing it. And that's his right to do so. Do I wish that he were fighting for Bellator? Yeah, I wish he were fighting for the UFC, too. I wish he were fighting for the for Ryzen, too. I wish I wish Ryzen was booking Minikov versus Carwin like tomorrow. I, I wish a lot of things. But we're in this weird situation where a couple of years ago, the UFC had everybody. Had everybody. And if they wanted somebody, they got them. Now that ain't the case. And we don't know if it's the UFC not wanting them or the fighters not wanting the UFC. Um, I'm actually scrolling through my phone right now because um, Saki Kibara, uh, Nobuhiko Saki Kibara was in the States. Uh, here, here's the actual post right here. The nine-day, quote, the nine-day business trip is coming to an end. My immediate thoughts about this trip are that the North American market is full of potential and we need more manpower and a bigger structure in order to take full advantage. We need to grow internationally and am and, and seeking for passionate, serious talent for operation, end quote. Now, hmm. so Saki Kibara, for those that don't know, uh, an absolute just the, the guy does the best pre-fight speeches uh, at the way or at the weigh-ins, the day of the weigh-ins, as you can ever imagine. It's 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 unbelievable to ever experience. Like I mean, I've experienced it twice or three times now, and it's just something else. But the, Ryzen, um, 
Ryzen has a serious opportunity. I know it's Pride 2.0, uh, but Pride became big back in the day before the UFC got big, and Pride was big before there was ever such a thing as social media. Now with social media, you can expedite the process and become huge very, very quickly. The fact that he was here for nine days, obviously he was at the Bellator show. Uh, pictures with him, with Hicks and Gracie, uh, could be just talking about Crow and Gracie in his next fight. Uh, obviously with Henzo Gracie, and Henzo Gracie introducing a variety of fighters uh, from his team to Sakakibara. He was in California. He was in um, um, Sacramento, to my understanding. He was all over the place in the States, meeting with a variety of people. Nine days doesn't seem like a long time, but you can get a lot of business done uh, when you're traveling. You've got a good schedule. Um, and, and I've said it before, and, and part of my bias, because I do play-by-play for Ryzen, but I really think there's an opportunity here. There's going to be a situation where Ryzen could potentially be really, really big very, very quickly, but it all depends on how many shows they have because they aren't scheduled to have as many shows as the UFC, as an example, but they're also not scheduled to have shows every other month. They're looking at five times this year. When you say five times, you mean five separate? Because, you know, sometimes when they they run those New Year's Eve shows, they'll run two shows. Does that count as two shows or two times, or is that one? Then let's, let's go on and say four because to my understanding, I'm just trying to do the math in my head, April will be the next event. Uh, I think there might April be one 16th. in 16th. Yeah, there might be one in July. There might be one in September. And then the, the two New Year's Eve shows uh, in December. Yeah, it's going to be hard to gain momentum like that. I think they should run, well, five, I think five to six different times a year would really help get them going. But it really depends on who you put on the card. Oh, they're going to have two tournaments, by the way. I forgot to mention that. They're going to have two or three tournaments again. So, And people love following those tournaments and makes my job a lot of fun being able to chronological, basically, basically speak about it every single show. This is how this person got to this part here or this situation here. So lots of fun for me, lots of homework to be done. But uh, to my understanding, there's um, there might actually be a women's tournament as well. So definitely looking forward to that. But there's going to be some serious crowning uh, of champions at the end of the year. And it's always been something. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I loved when Pride was doing it, these, these incredible open weight Grand Prix or, or heavyweight Grand Prix or whatever Grand Prix that they were doing, they would start early in the year and culminate at the end of the year for an absolutely banging show uh, on New Year's Eve. So, you know, cross my fingers uh, that I'm still with them by then because I think I am. But, uh, oh, man, I cannot wait to the end of the year. It's only February. It's February 24th today. But you just imagine what's going to be in store for the, for the next, obviously, 10 months, 10 and a half months for Ryzen because these, these Grand Prix are absolutely fantastic. What do you know, if anything, about Carwin? Is he ever going to fight? Is, is he just why did he put him first? Why did he pull out? What, what was the injury? Do you know? Uh, I think it was a hand injury to my understanding, but it could be anything when it comes to Shane Carwin. I know uh, he upset you a fair amount, but it's gone quiet. It's been a situation, even when I got there on New Year's Eve, um, or when I got there for the for the New Year's Eve show, there wasn't much talked about Carwin. You know, the only thing was just we were talking about uh, Charles Crazy Horse Bennett more than anyone, the, the fact that he wasn't able to get into the country uh, after <laughs> craziness that he does, but nothing really about Shane Carwin. And, you know, believe it or not, despite me being someone that is contracted by uh, Ryzen, I don't get as much information as people think. You know, it's 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 the Japanese way, man. It's hush hush, uh, and you know. And even Trig was talking about it yesterday. You don't know until you land. Sometimes you don't know until you are about to take off, and you can't get on social media or do anything to quote unquote break news or share news. So it's just the way it is over there. I'm just I'm so exhausted with the Shane Carwin thing because I I would I would watch him fight any day, any day. He's 50 years old. He's out there sl- swinging le- or slinging leather. I watch him, but he doesn't fight. And he's, I can't count the number of times ready for a comeback. Oh, I want Lesnar. I'll fight Lesnar. Hey, I'm going to fight. I'm, I'm negotiating. Ah, not with the UFC. Okay, I'm with Ryzen. Scheduled for a fight. Nope. Hmm. The most we've seen out of him is him knocking out a skateboarder with one hand tied behind his back. <laughs> Did you see that? No, I didn't know. Oh, that was good. It was in October. 
Carwin had his hand tied behind his back, and he boxed Jason Ellis. And I, I, I want to say maybe it was Brendan Schaub that said that Jason Ellis was like, yeah, I'm going to play around with him the first round, like thinking with one hand tied behind his back, he really could. No. Carwin knocked him dead in the second round. Wow. But even though it's been seven years since we've seen him win, I, I want to watch him fight. It's just a matter of him getting in the damn cage to do so. Hey, I want to ask you, so you mentioned Liam McGree. Sorry, I want to go back one moment to Bellator because you mentioned Liam McGree accepting anyone and everyone that Bellator uh, offered him. And I, I want to continue this sort of further this conversation that I had with Frank Trigg yesterday about Fedor not accepting anyone that was put before him. There was obviously Chael Sonnen, uh, Ole Thompson, uh, somebody else. Um, and I, the more I think about it, and I sort of understand where Fader may be coming from. I'm also a little bitter that he didn't accept a fight. I mean, you're trained to fight. You're, you're, you're in, you're in quote-unquote prime condition, as, as prime as he could be, uh, to be competing uh, versus Matt Mitrione. Uh, it didn't happen, but you're still ready to fight. I mean, why? Why not just fight somebody? Well, part of me wonders if he got his money to fight anyway because he weighed in. He, sh- he did weigh in, didn't he? I don't recall if he did. Yeah, he weighed in. He showed up. So he may have got his money anyway. And not only that, I get the feeling his money isn't based around a win bonus. He probably gets a flat fee. So if he got his money and got his pay, then I certainly understand why he didn't fight anybody. Because why do it? Especially when you almost got beaten by Fabio Maldonado last year. So anything is possible. And we got people saying Fedor doesn't need to, doesn't need to do anything. No, he doesn't need to. But Bellator really needed him to. You think, right? That, yeah, that's and, like, Mitch, part of my point, right? And he says he's not waiting for Mitri, or he says that he's waiting for Mitrione. But Mitrione says I ain't waiting for anybody. I pay as soon as I can. I mean, and we know that Mitrione will do that because he almost lost a fight last summer. Was almost knocked unconscious. And then fought like three weeks later in London. And I know that uh, Fedor had a short training camp, but I mean, for Bellator, I would have liked to see him do it. But hey, that's a part of the game. You're not fighting the guy you're contracted to or even who tried to weigh in. I I, I don't disagree with it, but yeah, I think it, it was probably financially motivated if he got his pay just for showing up to weigh ins. Technically, honestly, that sucks. Sure does. You should be paid for fighting, okay? You should be paid to compete, and if you don't compete, I understand getting some sort of money. You put in the contract, but you are paid to compete, in my opinion. So you're not paid to be an ambassador. You're paid to compete, and a lot of people were disappointed. Uh, I'm not saying Feeder should have accepted anything. I'm I'm not saying anything at all. I'm just saying that it would have been nice if, you know, he did fight. That, that's all I'm trying to say because it was it was a situation where he would have beat Chael Sonnen. You would have beat him, you know. Um, and, and can can only give him a good go. Yeah, probably could. But fight, man. I, I mean, even psychologically, I can't get into Fader's head because he operates in a different frequency. But you're trained to fight. You're you've got this mental thing that you're about to peak at. You're, you you got to get to where you need to be. Now you've reached there. Now even though your opponent's gone, you still want to fight. You want to get that you know those those eight to ten weeks of training out of your system uh, and unleash it into somebody inside of a cage. And no, so it kind of you know the, the more I think about it, the more it disappoints me. And it sucks because you got a guy like Liam who's like I don't care who it is, man. Bring on Chelsea. Yeah, bring on anybody. I really think there should be some sort of stipulation added to the contract that if you are offered a replacement fight, Fedor could accept it, but he be the pay be bumped up a little bit. Even if the fighter is lower profile, you know, you didn't prepare for that. So add a little bit, make it put that in the contract. And if you don't accept whatever opponent is thrown your way, now within reason, because there might be some chicanery that promotions try to pull with stuff like that. I've seen far worse. <laughs> but if you don't, maybe there's a deduction to your pay or you don't get paid. I, I don't know. Well, speaking of pay, um, when I last spoke with George St. Pierre in person, he talked about not being happy with getting 8% 
uh, of the gate or 8% of whatever the UFC was making whenever he competed. He wanted a lot more. Well, let's fast forward uh, a few months now. It's official. He has now joined or he's now returning to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And I put together a piece which will be up on FightfulMMA.com uh, uh, hopefully later on today, ladies and gentlemen. Talks about the fact that George St. Pierre has many options. Many options are abound for George St. Pierre, the top of which, in my opinion, is Conor McGregor, the second of which is Michael Bisping, the third of which is anything, the winner between uh, Tyron Woodley and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. The Michael Bisping thing can turn into a victory over Michael Bisping, which, which could bring Anderson Silva. Don't kid yourself. The UFC would put that fight on in a heartbeat. Uh, maybe a number one contender fight with Damian Maya. I don't know. But Sean Rossap, put your matchmaker hat on. You are the owners. Of, you are the one of the owners of the UFC, and you need to make money. And you've got George St. Pierre, who you're going to pay a lot of money to. Who's he fighting? Bisping or Silva? Him versus Silva does more than I think him versus Bisping or him versus Woodley Thompson. And you don't have to have a title on the line for that fight. Now, is he willing to fight Anderson Silva? Who knows? Uh, Jimmy Van had reported on Fightful.com a few months ago that GSP's camp thought that fight was a done deal in the fall. Yeah. He thought it was going to happen, and they thought it, were, it was going to happen at the the December Toronto oh, show. Yep. yep. And it didn't happen. So that leads me to believe that he's he seems okay with to do it. Now, here's the situation that GSP is in that limits some of his options for now, and this is why it's a third-quarter return. He pulled himself out of the USADA pool after he had entered himself into it and he thought that a deal wasn't happening. He took himself out of it. Now, they could waive that, but I'm not sure if they can now. They could have waived it to begin with because he had never signed a contract saying, I agree to USADA testing, yada, yada. This is the Brock Lesnar thing. Brock Lesnar left the UFC before USADA. So did GSP. But GSP wanted to do it the right way, so he entered the pool. When he didn't think a deal was going to happen, he was like, oh, I'm getting the hell out of the pool. I think that that means he has to incur the full four months now because he voluntarily left the pool that he volunteered himself for. So that's an unfortunate situation. So that's why we're waiting a while uh, for, for GSP. Bisping, I think to a, a, low, a smaller degree. And, and I think if you do that, you put Yoel Romero versus Jacare on that Jacare 2 on that same card to find the real number one contender because of how that first fight played out. And, of course, Jacare is not going to be happy if that happens. But I don't think that – well, I know that Bisping would wait for that. Bisping would absolutely wait for that because he wants to fight anything besides an actual modern-day active contender. With the and exception I think of that, what he said on social media saying, I can't fight them all at the same time, but I will fight them one by one. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he and Tyron Woodley have both taken the same approach, saying they prefer to fight the Nick Diaz's of the world and the GSP's of the world. Not that GSP is anything less than Tom Notch, but we haven't seen him in three and a half years, and he's torn an ACL since then. Yeah, they got they got plenty of options, but I think Anderson Silva is the best because you can headline a pay-per-view with that. No title, no nothing. And uh, you can't do that with a lot of people these days. Now, Sean Pearson said Anderson Silva versus GSP would be a boring fight just because of the style probably. matchup. You agree? Yeah, probably. So, I mean, but the, the thing with that fight is it's one of those fights that, like I said, the tension is so high given the fighters that it may seem – it may make up for that or it may not. Uh, GSP could go in there, take Anderson Silva down, and lay on top of him because, as I mentioned, when you're moving up a weight division, especially Anderson Silva who's fought at 205, it's going to be real easy for GSP to get his hips underneath Anderson Silva and put him on his back, I, in my opinion. And he could just lay on him forever. I think that very well could happen. If that fight was to happen, would you favor to win? Considering Anderson Silva's in his 40s, GSP hasn't fought in three years. That's a difficult one, man. That is a very difficult one. And one Anderson Silva punch can change everything. We saw the current UFC light heavyweight champion, Daniel Cormier. Almost, he was almost cooked by strikes from Anderson Silva, who was completely out of shape, took the fight on two days' notice, and was like 
a few weeks off of surgery. So you mean to tell me that a much smaller, and I mean much smaller, we're talking about a guy who could who could probably do well at heavyweight in Cormier against a guy who claims that he can make lightweight in GSP. Taking those shots. Oh, that's tough to say. I think the odds would probably favor Anderson Silva just because he's remained active. But damn, that is tough. And see, that's the thing that I never thought, never, never really put in my head who would win that because it's been such a, a such a mountain climb just to make the fight happen. Speaking of mountain climbs to making fights happen, um, the other day I was on I was on the bike doing cardio, uh, just doing stuff and you know just kind of in, in between the sprints, kind of looking at my phone and just kind of what's going on here. And all of a sudden I get a headline. I see a headline that says. Anderson Silva would be more than happy to fight Roy Jones Jr. as the co-main event to Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. And I had to stop for a second, and I said, easy, slow down. Just think about this for a second. That would be a badass pay-per-view. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be a fantastic pay-per-view. I think that's a great idea, honestly, because that's a fight that it's it's like the mini – Pacquiao Mayweather. It's a fight that we've talked about for like, what, eight, nine years, but never happened. But now they're both so far removed from their prime that it's interesting again. Yeah, no, you're right. Because I remember when I interviewed Roy Jones Jr. in Philly, because uh, he was there watching the fight with Anderson Silva and Forrest Griffin. Uh, was it Forrest Griffin? Yeah, it was Forrest Griffin. And, you know, we were just, you know, it, it was a wonderful conversation. I uh, did a full interview with him on camera. Uh, but I was like, I'm interviewing a guy just for the sake of, of putting this on the new show. Uh, it's going to get, people are going to love it and blah, blah, blah. Showed on Joe with Roy Jones Jr. talking about Anderson Silva, blah, blah. But in my head, I'm interviewing and I'm like, this is not going to happen anytime soon. And here we are now thinking, wait a second. You know, and I did read that article that you once um, recommended to me about talking about how Conor McGregor uh, did get his uh, under the California State Athletic Commission, potentially putting him, um, you know, under the auspices of the Muhammad Ali Act uh, and protecting himself from onerous promoters. Uh, and I thought, whoa, 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 this is this is interesting. Now, can you imagine if Anderson Silva, the headline comes out very soon that he gets his boxing license in, Cal- in California as well, and him and Conor McGregor not colluding, but are basically going down that same sort of Hey man, we want a box as well, you know, for the Diaz brothers in there as well. I mean, this could get interesting. This whole Conor McGregor thing with California State Athletic Commission and potentially the Floyd Mayweather thing, it's precedent setting to say the least. If I were whoever puts this show together, and UFC's gonna have a part of it, I would make it a complete freak show card. Why not? I would find whatever MMA fighters, UFC fighters are high level. You know what I'd try to do? I'd put Holly Holm on the card, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. Guaranteed. I'd, I'd put Holly Holm on that damn card in a boxing fight because she's going to win one for the UFC. A full boxing versus MMA card, pay-per-view. Yeah, and I would, I would construct it in a manner in which the UFC ain't going to look too bad in it. So Holly Holm against some scrub, sure. And to be honest, even if it's not a scrub, she might beat him. She's 35, though. I would I would do that. I would do that. And even if it's just the main card, and then on the the, the lower, you know, the the unknowns, you you kind of yeah, I think you, that would be a good opportunity. And maybe it would either <laughs> it would either throw a bucket full of gasoline on the boxing hates MMA thing, or it would kind of maybe show them there are some talented people. Because Joe, how long have we heard from boxing? Those MMA fighters, they can't box. They can't box. It's so embarrassing. They can't box. And I get so, so pissed about that. We have a a pretty successful amateur boxer who trains with our team. And he has a great deal of respect for it. And I remember one of his buddies had kind of mentioned to him, oh, those MMA fighters can't box. And he looked at his friend who was a pro boxer and said, you can't defend a takedown. Boom. Mic drop. But also this guy. So here's a funny story about training with this guy. This guy is one of those white guys that kind of grew up in an urban area. He's he's not your typical white guy. So we come in and we're like, who's this guy? Who's this guy with the corn rolls and the (laughs) the grills in his mouth? 
Well, as it turns out, he was an amateur boxer with 18 fights, and his dad was a pro boxer who had competed on ESPN. And, you know, when you get in there with a pretty good level boxer and you're pretty new, you're going to get pieced up. Well, he joins us for MMA class. <laughs> and after he had pieced us up boxing, he's throwing these quick leg kicks and these quick body kicks and these spinning back kicks. And I'm like, excuse me, sir. How do you know how to do that? How do you know how to do that? And he goes, well, I took Taekwondo for like three or four years. And I'm like, okay. Okay, interesting. Now, keep in mind, he wouldn't take an amateur MMA fight. I think because of what his boxing buddies thought of it, they would say, MMA's gay and all that. Despite his girlfriend and his dad pushing him towards it. We go to grapple. He stuffs a takedown. Houston? I'm Houston? Like, Excuse me. <laughs> Pardon me, sir. Sir. And then he shoots a beautiful double leg on one of our guys and a nice single leg, too. Does the pivot, has, has the leg between the knee, all that stuff turns. And I'm like, well, excuse me, sir. <laughs> what you doing here? Now, on, now, when it came to the submission game, questionable, but he, I'm like, sir, explain yourself. Well, I wrestled in high school for three years. Yeah, the next time you pull a, a flying triangle and you go, Helio Gracie is my grandpa. I'm going to punch you in that. your face. And I'm like, dude, now keep in mind, he was 29 or 30 at this point. Too old to make it as a boxer mm-hmm. at this point as a pro. I'm like, dude, do you realize how quickly you would just rise through the ranks of amateur MMA with some high school wrestling some taekwondo kicks, and really good level boxing. I think that's something that a lot of these boxers don't understand. There's a boxer that I went to high school with. He's getting to be that age. He's 28, 29. He's not a pro yet. Is he going to make it? I don't know, but he could make some money doing MMA if he learned the – I think all the things that go into MMA it can extend a career. Look at Holly Holm. She's making six figures, high six figures – well after a boxing career, maybe would have been done. I think that the marriage between boxing and MMA should be a marriage. It shouldn't be necessarily a heated rivalry. But I think a card like this could go a long way in either accelerating that marriage or accelerating that that rivalry. I think we're onto something here. A full-blown boxing versus MMA pay-per-view that the UFC could be part of uh, along with anyone that's around Floyd Mayweather and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, you can find someone in the boxing world to take on Holly Holm. We just need two more fights, two more dudes or girls from the UFC caliber. We should just tweet this out and say, what would Chris you do? Chris Lytle will come back. Chris Lytle will do it. I probably would, yeah. But isn't he, um, not a counselor, but isn't he in the, in the politics right now? He doesn't give a damn. <laughs> Chris Lytle. He's awesome. He's one of the best guys ever. I oh, my God, it's just so I good. Him I miss him so much. And also, one of the classiest retirements of all time. You go to weigh-ins, you hand a little note to Dana White. You don't, you don't really make a big deal about it. Everybody else made a big deal about it. And um, also, you won't hear us say this a lot, I thought it was incredibly classy of how the UFC handled that too, giving him two bonuses that night saying, thank you for what you've done. Here's your here's uh, two sixty five thousand dollar bonuses on top of your. Uh, I think he made something like seventy thousand on top of that. So he made some life changing money that night too. But I miss that guy. Good for him. Definitely deserved. All right. Before we wrap things up, anything else on the mind of Sean Ross Sapp uh, to the, just sort of let yourself go here, or do you want to promote what you've got coming up this weekend? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about Fightful.com. If you all aren't going there to check out your MMA, pro wrestling news, interviews, uh, results, photos, videos, podcasts, we got it all there. Whether you're into pro wrestling or MMA, like I'll, I'll break it down for you guys. Mondays on the wrestling side, we got Alex Palowski with me covering Monday Night Raw. He covers the event, so he's, he's not missed a thing. Tuesday, we have the award-winning Jeff Hawkins covering SmackDown. I mean, this guy is widely regarded as one of the best podcast guests in pro wrestling. Wednesday, we got Fightful.com owner Jimmy Van. If you all ever wanted to take a peek behind the curtain at wrestling, MMA, media, uh, what goes into a website, we talk a lot about that. Like, we are very blunt on that site, and that's something you do not get 
with other websites. They're not telling you, hey, we're still on our way up. We're still away from accomplishing our goals. We're st-. like, we talk about all that stuff in addition to wrestling and MMA. Thursday, I am there with Matt Riddle. Register for free, no credit card required at fightful.com. Matt Riddle's the hottest thing on the wrestling independent circuit right now, and he has experience as an MMA fighter. He won his last five fights, left the UFC on a four-fight win streak. You can't top his level. Well, you can top his level of not giving a shit because uh, Sean Pearson shows up and does it every week as well. (laughs) Friday, we're with Shane Helms, TNA agent, one of the top merch sellers in WWE at one point. He's found success, WCW, WWE, TNA. Uh, This week, we talked about his feud with The Rock. So, I mean, we're getting top-level guys here. Monday... On the MMA side, and Tuesday, let's see, who you, who you got Mondays? You got Robin Black, one of the best analysts in MMA. If you all haven't seen him break down stuff, it's something special. Uh, Tuesday, UFC star Elias Theodoro, he's riding a hot streak. He's won like, I think he's 5-1, and 6-1 in the UFC. Wednesday, you got Sean Pearson, who left the UFC on a three-fight win streak. And uh, doesn't look like he's ever interested in going back ever in the history of ever based on the, some of the things that he says. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's that one. How about a UFC Hall of Famer on Thursdays in Frank Trigg? Yeah, we got that too. And then you got your boy on Fridays with Showdown Joe. We got it all. We got it all. And then over on our pro series, we got Jason Kincaid and Deanna Perrazzo, two more of the hottest performers on the independent wrestling circuit, writing for us. You're getting inside the mind of well-traveled wrestling, uh, well-traveled wrestlers. So we're coming at you. We're bringing journalists, businessmen, actors, comedians, uh, fighters, former fighters, current fighters, uh, current wrestlers, former wrestlers, agents, people behind the scenes of pro wrestling. We have like literally every angle. It it's not a bunch of white dudes in their thirties sitting around talking trash. We're coming at you from all angles at Fightful.com. We, we got it all. <laughs> we definitely do. Uh, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to be a part of this site. I love it. I live it. Uh, every day, it's something new. Every time I've got my other businesses that I'm focusing on, I'm like, nope, you got a podcast today, and you're going to have fun with this one. <laughs> it's that 45 minutes to one hour of my day that I can just go back to what I love doing the most uh, and then you know, put my head down and get back to work with the other stuff. But uh, as always, Sean, an absolute pleasure. Uh, there will be no, obviously, post-event podcast this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, as there is no UFC event uh, to dissect. So you will find yours truly back on Monday. Uh, it will not be Robin Black as Robin Black is traveling south of the border uh, in Sean Ross Sapp's country uh, supporting his wife and what he and what she's doing uh, with a big play that she's a part of. Uh, she's a musician and actress as well. Uh, a badass in her own right, but uh, Robin will be down there. So uh, we will figure out who will join me on Monday. And no doubt it will be someone with uh, a fair amount of intelligence uh, to challenge the stupidity that I bring to this podcast. But other than that, we want to thank you. Make sure you do follow us uh, at Fightful MMA online. By Twitter, make sure you follow Sean Rossap on social media at Sean Rossap and follow yours truly at Showdown Joe. Uh, of course, fightfulmma.com for all of your mixed martial arts news. You never know what we're going to put up there. And believe it or not, it is always something fantastic. For now, I bid you all a fond adieu. I will see you Monday uh, for another podcast, the Fightful MMA podcast. Thanks for tuning in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.